listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you The Seminarians, a dialogue with students from the Pontifical College Josephinum, produced by AM820 to encourage and inspire vocations to the religious life. And now, The Seminarians. Welcome to The Seminarian Show. I'm Dalton Irvin from the Diocese of Victoria in Texas. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Gordon Mott from Columbus, Ohio. Let us begin in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for the gift of this day. We thank you especially for the gift of our seminary formation that has brought us together here in Columbus. Uh, We thank you for the gift of the church the gift of community that keeps us all bound together in our mission of pursuing heaven and holiness. We ask that our Mother Mary continue to walk with us on this journey and to keep us close to the heart of her Son as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great. So that Hail Mary there really leads us in to the life of the early church. Uh, Mary was with the apostles on the first Pentecost, mm-hmm. or I guess the first Pentecost for us as a church. Um, Pentecost was already a celebration. Yeah, the descent uh, for to the, the Holy Jewish Spirit. people. Yeah, yeah descent to the Holy Spirit. Third, there you go. The, the third, third glory. <laughs> Glorious mystery. Glorious. I'm sorry. Look at this. Jonathan prays rosary sometime. <laughs> uh, not all the times, but no, no, no. Uh, joyful mystery. Joyful. The third one would be the nativity. That, that's right. The nativity that's of right. our Lord. That would that would be like the the birth of the Savior, you know, not the descent of the Holy right. Spirit. Well, the virtue associated with the descent of the Holy Spirit is zeal, right? We zeal. pray for an increase there will of be zeal charity or zeal. Yeah. yeah. Zeal. Anyways, back, the back to the, the story. Back to the story. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but the early church, the life of the early church, uh, I believe, and I am victim to this as well. Um, it's very easy to have this romantic view of the early church, mm-hmm. um, to have this ideal Christian community. Um, and when you read the Acts of the Apostles, it's very easy um, to see how this view can be taken. Um St. Luke, the author of Acts, I believe, maybe not everyone agrees, but it's a common consensus. Um, He talks a lot about the great peace that was among the people and converts just in thousands, right? Uh, Coming in from the preaching of Peter and the other apostles, um, that everything was held in common. People sold all their possessions and Mm -hmm. laid their goods at the feet of the apostles and people got what they needed as they needed it. And if nobody they didn't, was in need. They just fell down dead. <laughs> yeah, so we learned that in class. <laughs> One great story, great story. Um, I believe it's chapter five of the book of Acts. And this couple sells sells their fields and lays most of the money at the feet of the apostles, yeah. but not all of it. it tells them that it's all. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. They uh they said, This is everything here, take it. And we'll, uh, you know, we'll live life in common with the rest of you. <laughs> well, their lie didn't get them too far. <laughs> For first, the man fell dead. And then when the wife confessed, she confessed to knowing, right, to Peter? Or she said she didn't know? No. The, from what I remember, the man fell dead. And then she walked in and... Didn't know. Didn't know what happened. 
didn't see didn't see the she body. knew she knew that they held the money back, but she didn't see the body of her husband. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And then, but then she continued with the lie, and then she yeah, fell dead. There we go. Both you would think I had a Bible to say well, this, but that's yeah, okay. This is from class, so <laughs> yeah, this is class. We have integrated it into our lives. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, so what was that about? Oh yeah, common life in the church. Yes. Everything seems great, and that there's, you know, even the spirit or, or God is working to to kind of sustain this perfect perfect community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's four or five times in those first uh, five chapters of Acts. That Luke talks about everything being held in common, mm-hmm. that everyone was devoted uh, to the teaching of the apostles, to fellowship, to the prayers, and to the breaking of bread. That's two, Acts 2.42. Yeah. You can check me. Google that if you're not driving. <laughs> um, but uh, it just creates this almost perfect scenario. Um, and that has been, I believe, something that Christians have ever since kind of looked back to. Mm-hmm. How do we re-grasp? Um, this perfect community, yeah, this yeah. utopian thing, um, which I think is natural to the human person. Uh, I mean, even in literature, right? How many utopian books are there or dystopian yeah, yeah. Uh, books in literature? Just There's tons. Mm-hmm. And I think that then in the church, we have that um, kind of in our spirit to seek back to that initial perfect Christian community, mm-hmm. um, to be with the apostles, uh, dedicated to their teachings. Yeah. So, and everything seems so easy for them, too. Yeah. They would just go on rooftops and then, bam, 3,000. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I can't even get one. And I'm, you know. <laughs> well, Jonathan, I've been in homiletics with you. I think we know why. No. <laughs> just oh, kidding. Great, great preacher. Charlotte's going to be very lucky. Columbus should bring him back as a guest. Uh, mission. Give him Lenten mission. Uh, it's going to be great. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, I think we always reach back um, trying to to bring this uh, Christian community back up. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is, and even if you read between the lines of Luke's and sometimes not too far between the lines, I, maybe we just gloss over it. The church, the early church had a lot of issues mm-hmm. um, as well. And maybe per capita, they had more issues than us now. You know, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But anyhow, specific instances are, um, well, like we said, uh, the greed that that husband and wife were stricken with Mm -hmm. uh, when they sold all their possessions, said they laid it all at the feet of the apostles, but they were lying. Mm -hmm. Um, Then you get to why do we even have deacons in the church? Um, It was because the community was growing so large and the the Greek-speaking widows uh, were not receiving as much care as the Hebrew-speaking or or Aramaic-speaking widows. Uh, so the apostles said, oh, we're too busy to do all of this, yeah. to preach the word. delegated their work. And, to yep. preach the word and serve a table. Um, so let's choose seven reputable men. Um, and that's where, of course, Philip and, and Stephen. Stephen yeah. And then the other five named deacons whose names are harder than Philip and Stephen. <laughs> um, so I can't remember them. Plus, they're never spoken of again, but Philip and, Philip and Stephen are. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I remember them. Yeah. Um, but... That's why they come in, because there's these issues already. While while they're trying to pursue holiness and perfection, mm-hmm. it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, we get to uh, later on in Acts, after Saul shows up on the scene as he watches Stephen being stoned, mm-hmm. then we know he 
gets knocked off of his high horse, even though the Acts of the Apostles doesn't say he was on a horse. Yeah, I noticed that, um, yeah. But for some reason, we like to think he was on a horse. Yeah, we had that wonderful... What's well, the same thing we think that the forbidden fruit in the garden was an apple? I doesn't believe it's say a that. pomegranate. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Art, art instigates what we then tend to believe. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, the apple. And uh, Paul at the bottom of his horse looking up into yeah, the light. You know, yeah, yeah. Is that a car? I don't know if that's Caravaggio. Uh, anyway, that's Caravaggio. Is it? A, it is yeah. a car- Caravaggio. Yeah. So anyway, Saint Paul comes on the scene, and him and Peter—they're kind of going at it head to head. Um, first of all, because Paul was never selected by the apostles to kind of fill that role, mm-hmm. um, he was chosen by Christ. Uh, da, da, da. We take a Paul class, so we deal with this there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but where he gets his authority from, uh, being called by Christ, being a witness to the mm-hmm. risen Christ like the apostles were. Um, while the apostles, the 11, had already chosen Judas's replacement. Mm-hmm. Paul wasn't even on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, but they're fighting over how does this Jewish and Gentile relationship work in this new community, not yet known as Christian, but definitely distinct from what they were before, Yeah, the Jewish custom. Um, and so these two apostles, both called by Christ, um, are disagreeing. They're having to... I mean, and kind of, in a way, teaching, not contradiction per se, but definitely saying different things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that is just, those are just a few instances that we see um, in the Acts of the Apostles that maybe what we think is such a perfect Christian community is not such. Yeah, yeah. And I think it is, you, you did mention, and I thought it was a good point. How that is in our human nature to kind of see see the past through rose colored glasses. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. I think it's um, called golden age thinking, where we think the past was so much better than the present. Yeah, and I think you know if we are really to believe that these were real people that lived in these real times, then they struggled just as much as we did, or maybe more. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly the martyrdom that you know was rampant through the early church um, testifies to that. But sometimes the martyrdom also even gets romanticized too. Mm -hmm. You hear so many people like, oh, wouldn't it be great to live in that time where you're just, you know, lifting up your sword and fighting for the faith and, you know, without almost thinking what that really entails. What does it mean to stand up for your faith? What does it mean to face these, you know, adversaries in your life? Um, But I think one thing to keep in mind too, especially when reading the scriptures and especially a book like Acts is that, Luke is recounting the important facts of the church as they happened and omitting certain facts because he doesn't deem them as important. And so there was a great uh, quote um, by someone, I can't remember who said it, but he said, you know, any good story worth its salt is going to, is, is basically life as we experience it with the boring bits cut out. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, we have to keep in mind when we read Acts is, yes, it looks like every morning Peter's waking up and just converting everybody that he passes by. But that's what it seems. But if you if we do read in between the lines, it's, this is not a day-by-day, hour-by-hour um, mm-hmm. chronology of Peter's life. These are just the highlights. And I'm sure Peter experienced days where, you know, he didn't feel, quote-unquote, feel the spirit. Mm. Um just like we don't, you know, the constellations that come, the dry spells that we experience, yeah. um, the discord among the community. Um, these were experiences that the apostles uh, shared with us. 
And the book, the book of Acts is meant to just highlight how the church got off its feet. Not necessarily a, a, a beat by beat, minute by minute uh, representation of what the apostles experienced. So, You're listening to The Seminarian Show on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820. You can hear this show every Saturday at 11.30 and Sunday at 1 p.m. and then the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. I'm Dalton Irvin from the Diocese of Victoria in Texas. Joining me are Jonathan Torres from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Gordon Mott from Columbus. So we've been discussing um, the early church, especially in the Book of Acts, um, how we can have a romanticized view of that church and imagine it as this perfect Christian community that we want to return to, to, to kind of reinstate, uh, especially today. Um, they've done it throughout the history of the church. Jonathan was just pointing out for us uh, kind of the dangers of wanting to read, especially the book of Acts, as a historical account, minute by minute, or you know, even week by week, diary log of what was happening in the early church and how we can't do that. Um, it wasn't the intention of the author of the book, uh, St. Luke, uh, but instead is a presentation of these true stories that happened while leaving out some of the boring stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right, right on the money with that. Um, but we live in a society, especially our Catholic Church today in America, lives in a society where the other Christian communities that are sola scriptura, that know their Bibles backwards and forwards, can quote you chapter and verse, but not the chapters and verses that are only in our Bible because they took theirs out. <laughs> um, but the Apocrypha. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, we see these people who know the Bible so well, and they believe that it is just as it is said. Right. You know, if you're sola scriptura, you take it as ex facto. Yeah. This was the early church. Almost literally all the yeah. time. If so. it doesn't say that Peter had dry spells or Peter didn't feel the Spirit, he probably never did not feel the Spirit. Right, right. Because right. If, he, if there would have been days when Peter didn't feel the Spirit, it would have been written down. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just not the case in our understanding of it. Um, you know, and then... So you have that early church uh, the, with the apostles, so close to the time of Christ. Another era I think we try to return to, um, or maybe we long to return to as a closer us as seminarians in 2018, 19, what year is it? 19, <laughs> is um, kind of that church, the church of our grandparents or great-grandparents when churches were full, when especially big cities like Chicago New York, mm-hmm. Pittsburgh. Um, they had just Catholic churches on every corner that were full yeah. every Sunday um, where there were so many priests. There was a pastor and maybe three associates mm-hmm. in each parish. I had five in New York growing up. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even that long ago. You're no, not that yeah. old. No. Well, I, I'd like to think of I mean, just young. older than me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but to return to this age where things looked like it was better than it is now Mm -hmm. Um, because we do live in a difficult time in the church. Yeah. And I think it's dangerous to to think of the church as like a a machine, a static machine. Mm -hmm. It's, it's more helpful to think of the church as an organism, like a tree, a tree, (laughs) a beautiful little tree or the mystical body of Christ. Um, Just so in that organic, (laughs) organic entity out there. But it, it, so like, like any organism, it's going to grow and Mm -hmm. it's going to, change certain aspects but it still is what it is mm-hmm. right a, a child a little child 
will grow up to be a man one day. Um, that doesn't mean he's not who he was as a child, yeah. but he looks different, right? He grow his experience, like you know, makes him into something more. It fulfills his being, but he's still the same yeah. person. And so the church is like that. I think it's a good analogy. So I, this just this just kind of came to my mind, Jonathan, as you were saying that um, the organic, like a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm a little more scriptural than you, so I thought of more like <laughs> the vine and the branches. <laughs> <laughs> totally joking. Tree of life. Jonathan's more scriptural the tree, than me. The, the, yeah. the cross, the tree yeah. of life. And, but, come uh, on. <laughs> but I'm over here thinking about the vine and the branches. And and I kind of like this analogy. I mean, Jesus used it. Um, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches kind of thing. Um, but especially for the church, if we think about the church, the mystical body of Christ as the vine and branches, um, kind of in, in kind of the concept of grapevines or something or anything that's agriculture, mm-hmm. um, they produce fruit at a certain time, and they're barren at other times, mm-hmm. and even look dead sometimes. Right. Um, and so especially in the life of the church, there are times when it does look pretty bad yeah. and pretty dark. Um, but when it's continued to be cared for and not just abandoned, um, it comes back with new life and bears great yeah. fruit, yeah. lots of fruit. Yep. That then you can make wine from. And that's in God's own time, too. Um, yeah. We can't force change, you know. We have to be docile to where the Spirit is going to lead the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we have to be, I think that's part of our humility, is to say, you know, I am a member of the church. I'm not going to be, I'm not its head. And, the you know, the way it's growing, uh, I'm not in control of. Mm-hmm. So. But there, there is at the same time while we have to be submissive to the will of God and, and to His Spirit um, and to the, to the Spirit of the church and its mission and its journey um, towards the eschaton, mm-hmm. towards that great day when Christ will come back just as He left it. Um, we have to be active members. We have to be doing something yes. too. Yeah, of right? course. We're we not just laying be, in bed and just yeah. you know, passively uh, becoming members of the church. Yeah. Or whatever, so. And you can't just be content when things seem dark or grim mm-hmm. um, and, and say, well, I'll just sit here and, and pray my prayers and hope things get better. But, yeah. but we have to do things as well mm-hmm. um, and be instruments of that change, to be instruments of cultivating, whether it's the tree or the vine and the branches, um, to be an active member. All people are called to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, all baptized Christians are called to be members of efficacious change in the church, constant purification, uh, be perfect as my heavenly Father is perfect. Yeah, um, and that definitely begins individually, um, but then also communally, mm-hmm. kind of holding each other accountable. Yeah, um, which I think that is what is so attractive about that church in Acts is that it was so communal. Um, it yeah. wasn't just you didn't just come together for mass on Sundays, mm-hmm. uh, but you came together to break bread almost every day. Right, you lived together. Yeah, you lived yeah. together. Everything was held in common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's it, it's it's really the beginning of the church is also in a sense the end of history. It's we, we these are the last days, as mm-hmm. it were, and we see before Christ's coming, the entire created order was divided against itself. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, man from God, man against his own neighbor, man from creation, but in Christ we have. Uh, Unity. Unity descends upon us again. And so that's what we're seeing in Acts is Christ gave us this church now to 
to reinstate what was intended from the beginning, that mm-hmm. unity. Um, and so I'm sure it was beautiful. And like you said, but um, maybe it's not as ro- uh, we don't want to romanticize it. Yeah, the danger of romanticizing much, yeah. it, um, like because we still see Dorothy Day with her Catholic worker movement yeah. was kind of an attempt uh, for this all things held in common, mm-hmm. everybody gets what they need kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John Michael Talbot has his kind of Christian community in Arkansas mm-hmm. um, where they're living and working and praying together. Kind yeah, I think you know. So there are these. It just I th- I feel like we always try to return to this ideal of communal life. Mm-hmm. I mean, religious life is communal life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it can work and it does work and it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also this realization that we can't return to this 33 AD Idyllic Christian living yeah. as something perfect because yeah. they had their problems too. Yeah. And so we can't be surprised when in religious orders um, issues arise and mm-hmm. houses split. Yeah. Um, when bishops argue, Peter and Paul argued. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised that bishops have differing opinions. Mm-hmm. Um Every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and so just these, I think a lot of times we get scandalized by issues that arise in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, however, they're nothing new. Um, some of them can be especially heinous and, and those need to be, all scandals should be ripped out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we also have to, as you were saying, uh, realize that we live in a living, within a living organism, mm-hmm. as it were. Um Is there some way that we can proactively kind of promote that communal life that we long for so much without kind of leaving the world, so to speak? Yeah, well, that's a, that's. A I mean, question, that's kind but... of the kind of above our pay grade, but it's going to be our job <laughs> as future priests. No, yeah, and know? I think and I think um, the sacramental life of the church really helps us mm-hmm. enter into a greater sense of unity. Um, you know, as leaders, God willingly, one day of parishes, um, mm-hmm. being pastors, it will be our job to kind of bring the flock together. Mm-hmm. And we are doing that around, most importantly, the sacraments, especially the Mass. Um, and so, to be able to be unified by the Mass, the sacraments, and our faith is the greatest glue, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, that any community community can experience, and so you know we see this in Acts, the apostles, the the first Christians bound by the Spirit, and so we are called to follow their example, um, especially as to be priests one day, mm-hmm. uh, to be able to unite everyone with that single mind within the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Um, there will be no stronger community, I think. Um, in in that um, in that regard, so yeah, I think a lot about Saint Paul and his in his letters that we have. Um, I think he wrote a lot more letters. Well, I think most people, most theologians believe he did write more letters, oh, yeah. but uh, <laughs> than what we have retained because he even talks about other letters. Yeah, but in these letters, he's admonishing communities if communities have fallen into idleness or complacency and sin and all this. But he always greets the people in the spirit and says the Christians, wherever he's writing this letter from, greet you as well. Mm -hmm. And then they're always talking about taking up a collection for the Christians that are still in Jerusalem, for the Christians that are here. You know, so this, and I think St. Paul's way in his letters is probably more similar to what we're going to be entering into Mm. um, 
of how do we in our local communities relate to really a worldwide church mm-hmm. um, that now, you know, you were talking about martyrdom earlier. And to us as American Christians, martyrdom can seem very far away. Yeah. Uh, but if you're in uh, the Holy Land or the Middle East or, you know, a Christian in Syria, martyrdom is not so far away. Mm-hmm. And it's not that attractive, idealistic way of dying to the Lord um, when it's very possible tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I don't know. I mean, it still is, you know, martyrdom is kind of that highest calling and God will give you the grace. Um, but I think as, you know, when it's very distant, not a real possibility, you're much more willing to... Romanticize it. Yeah, yeah. romanticize it in that yeah, way. absolutely. Um, and so just... As Christians, as Catholics, we have to stay very aware of this mission we have of being in the world but not of the world, Um, being united in communion in the mystical body of Christ, serving one another and the Lord Mm -hmm. and the Lord through one another. Um, And looking forward in hope because it it is, of course, we value tradition. And, you know, I'm I'm the first to tell you – Let's keep as much tradition as possible, but at the same time, it's it's not helpful to just have these nostalgic glasses on, mm-hmm. looking back at what was and just lamenting over the fact that we're not like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, we're called to live in hope, and hope always looks towards the future. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what is to come? What is to, what come? Is to come? Yeah, yeah. I think that this is all uh, a very good kind of meditation on what it means to be a church on the move, on the journey, a pilgrim church. like a tree. Like a tree. (laughs) Growing like a tree. Or like a squirrel climbing up a tree. Okay, well, let's (laughs) not get too far here. (laughs) Um, But on what it means to be a church on mission. Um, Because we can't be – this nostalgia, if we get hung up on it, we remain in the past. Um, But a lot of good has happened in the 2,000-year history of the church. Mm -hmm. A lot of great saints have arisen. A lot of great saints are being called now to arise um, and to carry the church forward um, and growing towards holiness until the the bride, the church, um, meets with the spouse again, um, ultimately at that that great wedding banquet uh, in the sky. So (laughs) thanks for joining us for today's Seminarian Show. You can hear this show every Saturday at 1130 and Sunday at 1 p.m., and in the audio archives at stgabrielradio.com. Let us end by praying in the words our Savior taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us us this day our our daily bread, bread, and and forgive us our trespasses, trespasses, as we we forgive forgive those who trespass trespass against us. And and lead us not into temptation, temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Seminarians is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of The Seminarians and all of our locally produced programs are available at stgabrielradio.com. Veni, so-